And now I, Jacob, am led on by the Spirit unto prophesying, that by the stumbling of the Jews they will reject the stone upon which they might build and have safe foundation. But behold, according to the Scriptures, this stone shall become the great and the last, and the only sure foundation upon which the Jews can build. Jacob chapter 4, verses 15-16 through 16. Hey listeners, this is Nick from Book of Mormon Central. This is the sixth in a series of no-eyes looking at the question of why do New Testament words and phrases show up in the Book of Mormon? Today's podcast addresses the question, why do similar clusters of Old Testament texts appear in both? Part 5 of this series discussed the fact that more often than readers usually realize, many New Testament passages are quoting or paraphrasing Old Testament texts that could have been available to the Nephites through the plates of brass. Continuing on with the notion that some of the New Testament material in the Book of Mormon may actually have originally come from the Old Testament, Part 6 will present evidence that indicates that in some instances, the New Testament and the Book of Mormon may have both been quoting from similar collections of Old Testament passages that were circulated in ancient times. For example, Jacob chapter 4, in which the Nephite priest Jacob taught about the importance of accepting Christ as the only sure foundation, uses a combination of Old Testament passages from Psalm 118, Isaiah chapter 8, and chapter 28. And now I, Jacob, am led on by the Spirit unto prophesying, that by the stumbling of the Jews they will reject the stone upon which they might build and have safe foundation. But behold, according to the Scriptures, this stone shall become the great and the last, and the only sure foundation upon which the Jews can build. And now, my beloved, how is it possible that these, after having rejected the sure foundation, can ever build upon it, that it may become the head of their corner? Attentive readers may note that this combination of themes and phrases is fairly similar to 1 Peter chapter 2 in the New Testament, which reads, Wherefore also it is contained in the Scripture, Behold, I lay in Sion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Woe unto you, therefore, which believe he is precious, but unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is the head of the corner, and a stone of stumbling, and a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. Although there are different emphases and choices of phrases used, it is evident that Jacob and Peter are using the same set of Old Testament passages, which they interpret as referring to Christ, being either a sure foundation or a stumbling block. The New Testament use of these passages in this way occurs not only in 1 Peter, but also in Ephesians chapter 2, Romans chapter 9, Luke chapter 20, and elsewhere. Another example of this type of composite quotation in the New Testament can be found in Romans chapter 3, where Paul declares that he is quoting from Scripture by using the introduction, as it is written, and then goes on to use a chain of partial scriptural quotations. Some of these quotations match known versions of the Hebrew Bible or Septuagint, the Greek Old Testament, but some do not. Paul gives no indication of where these passages are coming from, or when he is switching from one Old Testament book to another. The Book of Mormon uses a similar method of composite or blended scriptural quotation in numerous places. Beyond the example from Jacob chapter 4 discussed previously, note that Ammon's words of rejoicing and praise in Alma chapter 26 include several quotations of and allusions to Old Testament passages, such as Isaiah, Psalms, and others. Moroni chapter 10 weaves together phrases from Isaiah chapter 52, 54, and Exodus chapter 34, plus expressions that parallel several New Testament passages. 
Biblical scholar Franklin Johnson, over a century ago, observed that New Testament writers sometimes present in the form of a single passage an assemblage of phrases or sentences drawn from different sources. Edwin Hatch believed that these composite citations in the New Testament, especially those examples in which the same group of passages are cited by multiple authors, are drawn from so-called testimonia, collections of scriptural extracts that circulated among Christians used as proof texts to establish Christian beliefs. These type of excerpt collections apparently circulated widely not only among Christians, but also among other Jewish groups in antiquity and in the Greco-Roman world more broadly. One notable illustration is that of the text found among the Dead Sea Scrolls. This text presents a collection of messianic passages from 2 Samuel chapter 7, Amos chapter 9, Psalm chapter 2, and Daniel chapter 12. The text includes commentary on and interpretation of the various Old Testament quotations. It is interesting for modern readers of the Book of Mormon to note that this ancient literary technique, practiced by early Christians, Jews, and others, of blending various scriptural phrases into one composite quotation, often without attribution, is found abundantly in the Book of Mormon. Sean Adams and Seth Ehorn argue that the use of composite quotations and scriptural collections helps demonstrate that sometimes two documents are dependent upon a third, shared source, rather than upon each other. With this in mind, the Book of Mormon's use of groups of scriptural passages similar to those used in places in the New Testament can be seen not as a cheap imitation of the New Testament, but more likely as the use of a similar ancient collection of biblical passages on a given topic. Thank you for listening. To find out more, please visit bookofmormoncentral.org and then click on Know Why.